I was just thinking when I heard Trish read the second reading, I wasn't going to preach about this, but it may be a teaching moment. Uh, This description in the book of Acts is about some people who were probably followers of John the Baptist as the Messiah. And that group of people still exists. They're called the Mandeans. And they live in the uh, ancient, in the the Near East. And uh, they still practice baptism, the baptism of John. And there's no uh, Trinitarian formula or anything of that kind. But this is probably the the group that, that predates... Uh, the formation of Christianity in the New Testament church as we read and hear about it uh, in the biblical witness. What I want to do in my sermon this morning is to preach about the Feast of Epiphany, about this feast, the baptism of Christ or the baptism of the Lord, to say some general things to you about how Episcopalians believe and understand baptism as a sacrament, And then to say something about the gospel that I just read to you from Mark, which has an interesting aspect that differs from Matthew and Luke. And we'll talk about how that difference may resonate with our own spiritual development and nurture. Friday was the Feast of the Epiphany, January the 6th. And I got to thinking that I should say something about it because it's in in the middle of the week usually and so people aren't uh, focused on Epiphany. The Sunday after Epiphany is always the baptism of Christ and so that's what we celebrate today. But before I say a little more about that, um, I have noticed over the last 10 or 12 years maybe a a way of speaking occasionally uh, that people talk to me and they'll say something like, "Uh, you know, I had an epiphany. And you'll say, oh. (laughs) And me, Mr. Snob, thinking, you know, I don't know whether that... Well, I decided to look up the word epiphany. And here's what I got. Uh, A Christian festival observed on January the 6th commemorating the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles in the persons of the Magi, the 12th day of Christmas. An appearance or manifestation, especially of a deity. A sudden intuitive perception of or insight into the reality or essential meaning of something usually initiated by some simple, homely, or commonplace occurrence or experience. So there you are, Brewer, Mr. Snob, thinking people are misusing the terminology. It's right there, and we all have them. And I bet you have had epiphanies, I hope you have over time, of a a whole variety. And the final one is a literary work or section of a work presenting usually symbolically such a movement of revelation and insight. The Feast of the Epiphany for Western Christians can be understood this way. For Western Christians, Christmas and the Sundays following, the brief period we call Christmastide, the 12 days, 
is understood as a celebration of the presence of Christ to the church. And the celebration of the presence of Christ to the hearts of all faithful people. It is our present from God that we cherish during Christmas. And on Epiphany, the twelfth day of Christmas, we now celebrate the manifestation of this presence to the world. And it is signified by the gospel that we read, which is the visit of the three magi to the infant Jesus, meaning that the birth of the Savior has universal significance for the world, not just the people of the covenant, And by virtue of that, those who follow him now become the instruments of making manifest the presence of Christ to the world. So we're going to go through a brief period of Sundays after Epiphany, and it'll be actually a mini green season. But what we'll be reading in the Biblical Witness is um, a series of epiphanies. We're going to have more than one as we get to the end. And the last Sunday after Epiphany will be the Transfiguration, a big epiphany. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, on Epiphany, they read the gospel about Jesus' baptism on Epiphany the inauguration of his public ministry. We wait now for a week, and we read one of the versions of the baptism of Christ and the inauguration of his public ministry and attempt to draw the connection between the inauguration of Jesus' public ministry and understanding our own baptism as the inauguration of our public ministry personally, even if we were baptized as infants. So over your life, you now have the ability to make manifest the presence of God and the internal, emotional, spiritual, and mental processes that take place at baptism are very important for fulfilling this mission for all Christian men and women. In the Episcopal Church, we believe in the sacraments, and the two dominical sacraments are the the, uh, sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of Holy Communion. We also accept five other sacraments that are in the Book of Common Prayer that are celebrated. Outward and visible signs of an inward and spiritual grace. And so we believe that the sacrament of baptism has transformative power. If somebody from another Christian tradition, a little more hair-raising, may say to you, have you been saved? You say, I have been saved at my baptism. In those traditions that believe in adult baptism and they're standing on some good, firm ground with regard to the practice of the primitive church, believe that the interior processes of conversion, 
the acceptance of Jesus Christ as their personal Savior must come first. And that baptism is merely the outward affirmation of something that has already occurred. We do not believe that. We believe that the sacrament of baptism has force and effect for all who are baptized. It gives to you an indelible character. And it infuses you with the three theological virtues. Faith, hope, and love. It is the starting point to follow the Savior on the way. Now here's what happens for Jesus. When he is baptized, it is for him a vocational moment. And so too, that is true for us. I have to admit something to you. I was baptized as an adult. I was 19 years old when I became an Episcopalian. And I had not been baptized. So I was baptized as an adult. It was an extremely powerful experience for me. And I understood then in that older sense uh, the importance of following the Savior on the way and it turned out to be a vocational moment for me uh, as it happened. But in any case, I understand that internally in my own experience. So in Mark's Gospel, we have now the baptism of Jesus and the Synoptic Gospels all have uh, slightly differing accounts. But here's where Mark differs in an important way from Matthew and Luke. Jesus is baptized by John. And by the way, before I do that, these stories are affirmations of the truth of the Holy Scriptures. And the reason for that is that it was a, a source of some embarrassment to the early New Testament church that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Why would he have to be? And it is one of the most widely attested historical facts in the New Testament that he was baptized by John the Baptist. So they're not in a position to say, well, let's just sweep this under the rug. We have to have some understanding of what this might mean And so what we see is that Jesus, as he was baptized by John, now has a vocational moment. In Mark's gospel, this is sharpened far, in a far greater sense than it is in Matthew and Luke. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. He comes out of the water and the heavens crack open and the dove comes down and a voice says, Thou art my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And that voice and that tableau was only seen by Jesus. It was something that was an interior experience that he had. In, Mar in Luke and in Matthew, the voice and the dove are heard and seen by everybody. And there is another example of why we have four Gospels and not one. Because that rehearsal of what occurred is the church's affirmation that they heard what had gone on 
and by extension in their own life and ministry, they now were modeling the Savior and would receive the same affirmation. So Jesus now has this thing happen to him that has impacted his emotional, spiritual, and mental state. And he begins to, as a theologian would say, see and understand his vocation in depth. Have you ever had an experience in your life where you have seen something in depth? That's a fancy way of describing, I get it, I see now how this is going to go forward for me. You see? Or this is my vision. This is my mission. This is how I am now going to proceed. It doesn't mean you're going to run into some cul-de-sacs and some uncertainty by any stretch of the imagination. Jesus will have to, in more than one case, fall back on plan B. But his baptism was a moment for him now to take a left turn from John the Baptist, who was preaching and practicing a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, to focusing his ministry, Jesus' ministry, not on repentance as the centerpiece, but on the values of the kingdom of God and its nearness, and how each one who follows him participate in the values of the kingdom of God and can be instruments for its inauguration in the world. And so you and I are to understand that the kingdom of God is here. It is not somewhere else. And we don't go somewhere else to be in the kingdom of God. It comes in history. And we're part of history. And we're part of God's plan for the cosmos in big and small ways. Each one of you count. And Jesus began now to see in his own ministry the shape it would take. It's going to take some time now for this vocational moment to percolate. And what will he do immediately following his baptism is to go into the desert for 40 days where he will think and meditate and pray about his vocation and emerge from the desert in the power of the Spirit, God coming in an inward way to enlighten and strengthen him, and by virtue of that to see his vocation in even greater depth. And so too you and I do at our baptism. It is merely the starting point. That's why in the, in the church's life over the last 35 years, we, we're big on baptism. It's right at the center. We're, we're now speaking about something in the fancy language called a baptismal ecclesiology, the community of the baptized, and the significance that that has for the corporate church and for each individual Christian person. A time to reflect about vocation. This is important because the Sundays after Epiphany are going to focus on vocation, and we then segue in the church year into the season of Lent, a time of self-examination and repentance, where we continue that kind of reflection in a very focused sense. 
So Mark's gospel is the one that says, you know what? Maybe we need to think about our baptismal vocation in the internal, emotional, spiritual, and mental way that it's going to give us some greater clarity. We have Matthew and, and Luke to read in another cycle. But this time, that might be the focus. The good news of the gospel this Sunday, though, is that those words that are addressed to Jesus by God, Thou art my beloved Son, are addressed to each one of you. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. Amen.